Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Good morning, Governor. Hey, uh, good morning. I tell you, uh, you know, the weather you were describing, that's outright balmy compared to what we just came from in Iowa. Got that negative 30 wind chill. You know, I spent seven years in New England as a Florida boy, and I kind of learned to deal with the cold, but I had never been as cold as I was um, in Iowa. So we've, uh, we were in New Hampshire the last couple of days, and, uh, and, and, and normally us Floridians aren't north at this time of year in January, but if I was able to handle it coming off the frozen tundra of the, of the Midwest, man, I'll tell you what. I, I hear you, Governor. Governor, let's talk about New Hampshire on Tuesday. You know, we're not there yet. I don't. You know, polls are a snapshot. I've seen more national polls have been totally wrong when it comes to presidential elections than right. But let me go back to just Ron DeSantis. What have you learned? We're at that point now where we're in the home stretch in New Hampshire. What have you learned about the voters in New Hampshire compared to the caucus goers in Iowa or you've even down to South Carolina, which is after New Hampshire? What do you make of New Hampshire voters and, you know, the reaction you've been getting? You certainly have a stellar record in Florida as governor of Florida, but I know the polls suggest that you're not tracking as well as Nikki Haley or certainly not as much as Donald Trump. What have you learned about New Hampshire voters? Yeah, but I mean, I think that's partially the fact. I mean, Nikki spent an ungodly amount of money, um, you know, in New Hampshire. That was not our strategy. Our strategy was, you know, really do, do, do well in Iowa and that New Hampshire was a momentum state. Obviously, Trump did well in Iowa. And so I think he's benefiting. I don't think Nikki has any chance, um, against Trump, uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, so that's just kind of the way the cookie crumbles. But I do think that, um, the voters really take the first of the nation seriously. I'm the only candidate at this point that's not running effectively a basement campaign because Biden obviously is nowhere to be found as as expected. Trump doesn't debate or take questions. And now Nikki Haley won't debate or take questions from voters. And so I was scheduled to do the WMUR uh, debate uh, tonight uh, with ABC, and no one else was agreed to do it. Uh, And in the last two days, I've been in New Hampshire taking questions from voters, uh, taking as many as I can get in in the allotted time frame. I think that's what uh, Granite Staters expect. Uh, And I think when they see candidates, a candidate like Nikki, who's who's basically hiding from the voters at this point, giving remarks, then just getting off the stage and not debating. Uh, I do think that that registers with them because I think they take their their responsibility seriously to to probe these candidates, to vet the candidates, and to kick the tires. And what happens is, you know, like Chris Christie said when on the hot mic, you know, she's just not up to this. And I think the fact that she's not willing to do that is is a really bad sign for her. I do think it'll hurt her in New Hampshire because I think the voters expect it. So I enjoy doing it um i i think that that's a, it's a good part of the process do you feel governor DeSantis, that part of your appeal or likely voter sort of went to a a trump vote here um and are you disappointed on these polls that you haven't resonated better in new hampshire well, look, I th- think what happened, so if you look at like Iowa, they spent, I, I-, I took almost $50 million in negative ads um, just through Iowa. No one has ever had that much spent against them. And Haley was spending, you know, she's running in New Hampshire as like the darling of the net people that don't want Trump. They spent, I think, $25 million against me alone just by their pack in Iowa uh, just attacking me. They spent zero dollars attacking Donald Trump. So I think what what happened was to, what happens is two things. One, some of those people that are deciding between me and Trump getting attacked by Haley may push some of them to Trump. And then the other thing that I think happens is some of the people, you know, who are conservative voters but but 
would prefer not to have Trump. Some of them have just checked out of the process. I mean, the, the turnout in Iowa was 110,000 people. Right, right. Uh, that was way down, and 20,000 20, were independents, 7,000 were Democrats. I think some of these people were just like, you know what, is the party really going to do this again? And they just, I think they checked out. I think when there's a lot of negativity, that's what happens. Yeah. And I think that you now see with Trump, he did well. So I think kind of those conservative voters, I think there's a lot of conservative voters in New Hampshire that are willing to go uh, to another candidate, but the media is saying, hey, this guy's inevitable, all that stuff. So I think that's helped them, no question. I know you had a town hall the other night in Henniker, I believe, on CNN, but right after Iowa, as the media said, big win for Trump, Trump, uh, big win for Trump in Iowa, uh, DeSantis, uh, a distant second fall by Nikki Haley into New Hampshire. But you went to South Carolina the next morning and then came here. Uh, are you, what, you know, what's the path now? What's the DeSantis path mid to long term? Uh, if you don't, if it is a, if it is, as Nikki Haley and Chris Sununu say, a two-person race in New Hampshire, Trump and Nikki Haley, if you don't get, you know, a strong showing in New Hampshire as much as you want, are you looking at South Carolina, and then how do you think that's going to go? And then is the plan to kind of, through attrition, you know, stay in this thing, regardless of how you do in New Hampshire and South Carolina, look to Super Tuesday? Or do you have any thoughts on what's the path now for you, if it's thinning or not? So here's the thing. Um, we, we had always planned on doing the New Hampshire town halls um, uh, on the day after Iowa. We had some downtime that was built in the schedule, and I was just like, you know what, let's use it. We had a lot of people in South Carolina begging for us to get down there, so we did it. But, of course, I was in New Hampshire the day after. Some Incredibly, the media said I was skipping New Hampshire when I'm literally there doing town halls uh, two days in a row. And I took more questions over those two days than Trump and Haley have taken in the, all, the entire month in both Iowa and New Hampshire. And we're going to continue to do it um, there on Friday. Look, I think she she cannot win a Republican nomination uh, because her appeal is more with non-Republicans. And there were 7,000 Democrats that came and registered in Iowa. Most of them voted for Haley. I was at two caucus sites. I saw them uh, there. Uh, in New Hampshire, she's appealing more to the more left-leaning voters, which, you know, in a general election to get those voters is great, but you got to win core Republicans. Uh, and she just doesn't. She's not popular with core Republicans. So she's not going to win in New Hampshire. Not even It's not even going to be close. And then the question is, in South Carolina, that's her home state. I can tell you, I've been down there. It is not going to go well uh, down down there. So, so two-person race, they were the ones that said you had to come in the top two in Iowa to get your ticket punch. They were Sununu was saying she was going to get a strong second in Iowa. Her own campaign said they're going to get right. second in Iowa, and then, then then that's how you go on. Well, they didn't do it, and they spent all this money against me, you know, and I, and I did it. So my view is, you know, with a one-on-one race, um, if, if when you have that clarity, that allows me to take kind of the conservative voters who are not hot on Trump right. and then get the other uh, other Republicans um, and build that. But I will say, you know, Trump's victory uh, in Iowa was a, was, a, was a strong margin just from a primary perspective. That, that was huge for him. Now, I would also say when half the voters vote the other way, right. he's a quasi-incumbent. That's not a great sign for him. And then I think the low turnout is a big warning sign for Republicans going into 2024 fall election. Finally, Governor Ron DeSantis live. Good morning, New Hampshire, on the Pulse of NH on this Thursday morning, days before New Hampshire votes in the first primary. I had asked you when you came into our studios here with Governor Chris Sununu when Sununu was hosting and sort of still shopping uh, on possible endorsements, uh, a question, and then you had events on the Seacoast. My question I'm still going to ask it today is, 
you came out of Florida, your last re-election victory, with a big, big victory. You had the really the only visible, noticeable Republican coattails for a sitting governor um, in in, the, in that last election where you were re-elected in Florida. Uh, and, and then you got into the race at some point, but you, it took some time because you had a legislative session and Donald Trump went at you hard and heavy and attacked you. National media was coming at you. So maybe maybe it's like a boxer before you get in the ring. You were getting hit before you got into the ring, but you got into the race. Any regrets on running now, knowing Trump was going to go again, and this is it for him, win or lose? Obviously, it looks like uh, you know that you're given his age in life. You're younger. Uh, do, you, do you ever think now that you know? I know hindsight's twenty twenty. That you should have waited maybe to you know four years from now, or is this all premature? Do you feel good that you ran when you did? Look, the country is at a time for choosing, and we got to get it right, and we need somebody that can win like I won in Florida, but then more importantly than that, deliver on these on these issues. All the stuff we talk about, border, crime, inflation, budget, all the things that, that Republicans have wanted to do for years, and quite frankly, Donald Trump promised to do and, and didn't deliver on. Uh, and so now is the time for choosing. I think this is the election. I've never run for things because I'm trying to earn a position. I've run for things because I want to do something on behalf of the people I represent. So when people say, oh, you can wait, well, I don't know what 28 is going to look like. Then I may not have the calling then. Yeah. I had the calling now. Uh, I yeah. think that uh, the party supporting me would lead to, to great results over an eight-year period and a legacy that would last a quarter century. So you have to do that. Obviously, with Trump in, it's it's more difficult. And you know, I take these polls with a grain of salt like you do. But you know, the polls, when they have him up uh, right. big nationally, when they take him out, uh, you know, we run away with it um, in terms of in terms of the other Republicans, and so you know, I think you got you got to do what you got to do. Uh, I've been taking it from all sides, but you know what? Uh, I'm still here, um, and uh, and 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 I don't let that deter me. And real quick, I'm going to let you go on this, Governor Ron DeSantis. This Thursday morning. Thanks for the time. Good morning, Hampshire. The Pulse of an Age. Uh, if you don't get what you want in New Hampshire or South Carolina, is your plan to stay in this thing regardless till Super Tuesday? Well, look, we, um, you know, we're, we're in the process of accumulating delegates. So we're going to get delegates in New Hampshire. You know, look, I think I think Donald Trump's in a great position in New Hampshire. Uh, we have not spent money um, in New Hampshire because we viewed it as, you know, trying to get the momentum out of Iowa would really would really propel us. Um, and so so it's all about the accumulation of delegates. And then it's all about, OK, if we're in a one on one situation, uh, there's certain people but about half the party is looking in a different direction uh, and then can and you go in and make the case amongst enough conservative voters uh, to do it. So that'll be the task for us. But I do think you're going to see a big underperformance from Nikki Haley. She flopped in Iowa after spending more money than anyone has ever spent before. So then the question is, is what is her path in South Carolina? Because I don't think if you lose your home state that you can yeah. continue. All right. Thank you for the time, Governor DeSantis, on a Thursday. Thank you very much. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. John Decker, own White House correspondent. There's a lot going on in Washington, believe it or or not. President Biden meeting with congressional leaders talking about a government shutdown or some kind of a deal. And that, as House Republicans or the House looks at impeachment stuff. Unbelievable noise going on. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning to you. Hope you're doing well today, Jack. Yeah, some progress being made in the meeting yesterday uh, as it relates to a supplemental security bill that would provide uh, funding for Ukraine. In addition to that, uh, it would also uh, have some changes in U.S. immigration policy. That's what Republicans are insisting upon. And we heard yesterday that uh, progress was made. We heard that from uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, who was at that meeting, as well as from Speaker Mike Johnson. 
Interesting. And, um, you know, what is the what is the feeling in Washington? Because we, we're so close to the early process here. We get a vigorous kind of showdown going into Tuesday with a few of the Republicans left. They just had DeSantis on. But in New Hampshire, it's a write-in effort for Joe Biden. It really starts in South Carolina. He's sort of talking more, saying he's the only one who's beaten Trump in an election. He's still very much focused on uh, on running again. But all this noise in Washington, is the feeling definitely still, John Decker, that Biden is the nominee among Democrats going into this, regardless if Trump is or not? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, he's doing all the fundraising, all the things that are necessary. He's traveling today to North Carolina, travel next week to Wisconsin. So uh, he certainly is looking like wow. a candidate running for reelection. Uh, and I have, to me at this point, you know, early January, I have no doubt that he's going to be the Democratic nominee um, in the November election and trying to run for four more years in the White House. Who would have thought if it could be, if it's going to be Biden and Trump again? Here we go. Thank you, John. Thanks, Jeff. All right. At time for our auto fair state police segment, we have Sergeant Jordan Kopko back on talking about the recruitment effort and the training side of things in open positions in the New Hampshire State Police Department of Public Safety. Good morning, Sergeant. Thanks for being back. Good morning, New Hampshire, the pulse of an H. Good morning, Jack. Thanks again for having me. Well, where are we at? Uh, last time you were on and your colleagues, we had a lot of openings, and the story is great candidates, but not enough. Or, you know, we have openings. And what are the open positions, and what's the appeal to people out there? Because a lot of people may not be aware there's so much opportunity within the Department of Safety. Yes, sir. Uh, again, thanks for having me. And, and we did just have a test um, uh two Saturdays ago. And uh, again, same thing. We have a lot of quality in there. We're working through our hiring process as we speak. And then um, we have our next test coming up on March 23rd. Uh, some of the benefits is the, uh, you know, we have a take-home cruiser. Uh, medical and dental only cost $17 a week. Um, we just got a, a, a pay increase. So uh, troopers now start right around um, a little over $31 an hour. So, um, Things are looking good. We have a lot of career opportunities, whether you want to get into detectives or have a canine or join the SWAT team. There's a lot of different opportunities. What I always say is having a couple mini careers within a career as a New Hampshire State Trooper. Yeah, and again, the thing I think um, people don't think about is the if you're a civilian, haven't served in the military, haven't been a police officer, there's still opportunity within the Department of Safety, correct? Oh, absolutely. We have several um civilian positions as well, whether you want to work uh, in criminal records or as a dispatcher. Uh, there's several different career opportunities within the Department of Safety Division of State Police. And, and again, of the open positions, though, you just had, you know, when's the next um, window? And are you still, how many, do you know, I'm not putting you on the spot, Sergeant, roughly last time I checked, there was more than 70 open positions full-time, New Hampshire State Police, 70, is that still about the range? Or? Um, we're a little, we've, we've broken some ground on that. Um, it's a little less than that number now. Uh, we just had a hiring group come through, uh, and then we have another uh, group of seven that we'll be swearing in on January 26th. So, so we are... We are hiring. We are uh, we are making some ground, but yes, we still have plenty of vacancy positions. And the good thing for applicants is we have we have positions all over the state. So whether you're from the North Country or the mountain, um, the White Mountain area, you're out uh, western part by Keene, uh, all over the state, we have uh, positions available to become a, a New Hampshire State Trooper. Our next test, uh, as I said, was March 23rd. Um, however, in between then. Um, our uh, hiring process does go a little quicker for uh, New Hampshire certified individuals. So if you are New Hampshire certified already, uh, we do uh, a lot of one-off tests 
And um, so you can be start our process prior to March 23rd. If you reach out to us, we'll make that work. And, and then finally, are you still seeing a high caliber of these new, you mentioned seven new troops, very high caliber folks? And I'm not saying you know all the class of seven there, but what walks of life? Are they new to law enforcement? Um, you know, civilian age, you know, sort of the, the demos of what you're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit of everything. We've had, we have a, um, a gentleman with um, over 15 years of law enforcement experience. Uh, we have a couple different um, uh, individuals coming over from different agencies, from out-of-area agencies, a uh, young lady coming from New York, um, and then uh, two gentlemen coming out of college, uh, one guy in the construction business coming over and having a complete change of career. So really all walks of life, obviously, are welcome. And, and as we've talked about before, there is a couple different avenues to apply. You've got to be at least 21 years old, but we don't have an age limit. Um, with at least 60 college credit hours, if you don't have the 60 college credit hours, then if you have two years of law enforcement full-time or two years of military so or any combination thereof. So there's a couple different avenues. Um, we've also been willing to um, write waivers uh, for people if they have some kind of, for instance, if you have some corrections experience, you know, give or take five plus years of corrections but no college experience, we've been willing to write a waiver or sit down and talk to you to see what your life experience is because that matters as well um, for applicants. Yeah. Now, when you say no age uh, limits on, 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 you know, being older versus 21 is the minimum, are you still referring to me, Sergeant? Sure, yeah, we're ready for you whenever the application is <laughs> open. You know, it's funny, I was... So on the road the other day, with all the weather we've been having on the mush and the snow the other day, it was a little bit, a little, little uh, I'm wondering, I'm sure you had a lot of calls, but was it a couple of days ago, we had a, they, they piled up in the middle of the day a little more than I thought on the highways, and I saw, saw a couple of uh, state trooper cruisers, if you will, on 93 and 101. You could barely see uh, the state trooper, you know, the, uh, the insignia and the, and, the, and the markings and the color, just because it's covered with all the right. stuff on the roads. But uh, how did we fare the other day? Busy day for everyone? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Always busy on the snowy days, but um, we do our best out there, and, and uh, I think we do a good job of working with do. DOT, working with the local officers and uh, the fire departments and everything to make sure everyone can get to and from where they need to go. And just informal inquiries, if someone wants to reach out and contact you or an email, how, what's the best way, Sergeant? So um, our new, uh, new and improved website is probably the best bet. So it's pretty simple. It's uh, joinstatepolice.nh.gov, and that has the application, everything right in there. It also has an opportunity to speak to a recruiter. So there's a link in there. You fill out a couple questions. It sends us an awesome. automatic email, and you leave your phone number and all. We'll call you within a couple business days. Um, and then ask us anything via email, via um, phone call, whatever you prefer. But joinstatepolice.nh.gov. All right, Sergeant Jordan Kopka, thanks so much for the recruitment unit. Thank you, Sergeant, for what you do, and I appreciate it very, very much. Thank you, Jack. Have a great day. Josh McKelvin, McKelvin Strategies, former uh, political director, WMUR-TV. But, Josh, I have to say, because I was going to thank folks briefly before I went into your interview, but you were a part of it because you helped on behalf, you do so much with Granite Recovery Centers, our presenting sponsor. I want to thank everyone. Uh, I've seen some great social media from our community mental health partners who were there yesterday, uh, the DEA, uh, the, the parents that spoke, mental health and addiction. It, what a, I'm just, um, Josh, I'm always, uh, it takes me like a day to recover just because the information, and the expertise, and the heartfelt stories. And uh, Chris, you know, and his family losing their son, Zach, who had no, ex uh, never experimented, no known history, 
um, wasn't going down the wrong path. Uh, football, you know, athlete, Eagle Scout, um, wonderful young kid, driven, motivated, upbeat. Everyone loved him. As his father said, he was the kind of kid anyone would have adopted gladly and happily. Um, he and a buddy uh, made a mistake. They, they went online. They wanted to buy a Percocet. Thought it would be okay. Thought it would be cool. Uh, they didn't know they were buying from a known local drug dealer on Snapchat or whatever it's called. And uh, it was laced with fentanyl. And his father found him unresponsive and dead in his bedroom. And, uh, I mean, could happen to anyone. And the numbers, 112,000 people last year died from a drug overdose. Number one cause of death of young people in America, drug overdose. And what do we do? We have all this presidential noise going on. And who today yeah. on ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox, who's talking about mental health and drug and addiction, Josh? No one. Anyway, I want to thank you because uh, Eric Eckberg, uh, he was like a steady, uh, he was like um, Joe uh, Flacco there coming back with the Cleveland Browns. He was just a steady veteran quarterback yesterday on the show with me. We had so many wonderful people, and you were a big part of helping me get it all together. So thanks, Josh. You know, Jack, it's funny. I, uh, you know, was, uh, keeping the uh, trains running on time and directing traffic during the show itself, and I heard you know, I heard some of it, but I didn't get to hear all of it. But J-Dog was quick to send the link to the show, so I listened to it again last night. And there were so many impactful moments within it. And thank you for doing it as well. I mean, this was your brainchild. It was a fantastic event. And, you know, there were some chilling statistics. Seven out of every ten counterfeit pill, according to DEA, contains a deadly level of fentanyl. Seven out of every ten. That should be on the snowstorm signs you see flashing on the highway. I mean, that is stupefying to me. But, yeah, I know the personal stories. It's all about education. And uh, credit to you guys for pulling it together. And uh, Eric Eckford, yeah, he did a great job. I mean, he cares about this. He's the CEO of Grand Recovery Centers. They've, you know, uh, uh, expanded into mental health treatment, uh, residential mental health treatment, which – you know, it was a real recognition of how closely it's tied together. It was just a great event, and I hope we do it again. All right, Josh, let's put on your political analyst hat. Done. Okay, um, this is this is. I'm going to let you. I'm, I'm still. I got to be honest with Josh because it was alive in the auditorium yesterday. I, I should have brought the honey, you know, uh, in with uh, whatever cough uh, drop because I'm still trying to get my voice back. So I'm going to let you run with this. But this is my setup. Because I was asked by one of the networks just, uh, to do their Sunday show and talk about what's going to. So this is what I'm feeling. I, I want to set the stage and see what uh, McKelvin thinks. And I'm not sure I agree with my very good friend where we're going to be broadcasting live. And I hope you're around Tuesday at the West Wing St. Anselm College Institute of Politics. I'm not sure I agree with my buddy Neil Ovec completely on his latest poll that has uh, you know Trump at about 12 or 14. Here's the wild card. J uh, Dog and I were talking earlier about wild cards, Josh. I think. Voter turnout is going to be a little higher than the models are suggesting because I'm looking at the weather Tuesday near 40 for a high cloudy. No big storms. It's not going to be 20 below zero. Okay. Who's going to vote? You and I know that's what happens in New Hampshire. Who's going to vote? So if 350,000 people vote, which is a number I'm getting from some state officials just on estimates because they're not sure. Say it's 360, 350,000, mostly Republicans because it's a Republican primary. And Governor Sununu has repeatedly said of the undeclared voters, because they could be anyone, he thinks about 40 percent Republican. But if that's a big independent vote that's turning out and there's no real Democrat race here and the right in for Joe Biden isn't very energetic, um, who are they voting for? And, And yes, Donald Trump, my gut, Josh, and I'm almost done. 
my gut is Trump has an edge. Probably feels like a near 10-point edge over Nikki Haley. You already heard Ron DeSantis almost writing off New Hampshire. So it's Haley-Trump. Um, here's the wild card, Josh, uh, that I feel. These Trump events, like last night, the Sheridan Hotel in Portsmouth, Atkinson. Trump's having a lot of events, right? But they're not as big as 2016 when there were 10, 12,000 people there. Now, yes, that was, he was newer to the scene then. It's 2024. But a lot of these people that go to the Trump events, they're, they're absolutely committed. They're fired up. There's no problem with his base. Trump has that base. But a lot of people that go to the events at the Sheridan and Portsmouth, I'm pointing out, they're from Maine. They're from New Jersey. They're from Connecticut. They're from They travel. It's like a popular band. I'm not being funny. They travel just to go hear Trump play. So I'm not saying the majority are not Republican voters in New Hampshire, but, you know, I'm just saying Trump's got his base. It's rock solid. It is, it is as rock solid here as it's ever been. So are there new people that are going to vote Tuesday? Is it enough for Nikki Haley to make it a very interesting night, like single digits or a horse race? Um, and New Hampshire does not like to vote with the headline already written that Trump wins New Hampshire by double digits. New Hampshire voters don't like that. But on this one, Josh, I don't know. I'm asking you. So, he, all right. Well, if that's Jack Heath with a tired voice, um, I'm glad that uh, that it's tired because you probably would have had to take a break before you got to me. No, listen, I agree with you. I think the undeclared voter is uh, <laughs> underestimated in terms of what the turnout will be. There's an effort. Uh, obviously, Governor Sununu has been talking a lot about the undeclareds getting out there. Um, there's groups like Primary Pivot and Robert Schwartz in a very short period of time. They've really made some headway in, in uh getting the undeclared voter attention. And undeclareds, they're not going to Donald Trump. He's got his he's got his base, and they're not going anywhere. Uh, you're right. Ron DeSantis has written off New Hampshire, and he shifted his campaign strategy to South Carolina. He's gone. We've seen the last event. last event was at uh, New England College, I believe, his town hall. And uh, he sees that he leaves, and his campaign made that decision. A couple of dynamics at play here. Uh, with the undeclared voter, the assumption would be that they would go uh, directly to Mickey Haley, sure. Uh, but don't, don't forget, there's also the dynamic of a Joe Biden sitting president not being on the New Hampshire ballot and uh, a credible, qualified candidate, a couple of them, in the form of uh, Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson, uh, who are here and doing, yeah. the, doing the work. That could inspire a lot of undeclareds to vote for one of them to ensure that you know, we don't reward someone who has decided to suppress New Hampshire's voice. So without the, the benefit of having debates, I think it, uh, it makes the union leader endorsement, which I expect will come out on Sunday, more impactful than it has been uh, in recent years, uh, I would expect, just because people don't have the, the debates to turn to to make the final decision and maybe they'll take their cues there. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they choose. Uh, could it be uh, Nikki Haley? Of course. I think it's safe to say it's not going to be Donald Trump mm-hmm. because there's no love lost between the union leader and Donald Trump. But it could also be Dean Phillips. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Brendan McQuaid, uh, you know, he's taken over for his dad, yeah. Joe, and done a great job. He understands uh, what the, the stakes are. Yeah. Um, so that's probably something that's being considered as well. I think this is going to be a tremendously interesting race. I think it's going to be closer than the 10 points. Don't forget. Back in 16, mm-hmm. the day before the election, polls had Hillary Clinton yeah. up by 11 points. Yeah. No, I, you and I remember the past. That's why I we think— We made a conscious decision not to report it because we knew that was incorrect and it would have been irresponsible. 
that's what the polls say. So I right. mean, these things are skewed. It wound up being a one point margin. Right. And you and I uh, know, and you and I know, Josh. Yeah. If the headline and feeling going into Tuesday is Trump wins by ten or eleven points, I I think the likelihood that New Hampshire wants to rock that apple cart is greater than not. In other words, I wouldn't bet on it. In and I mean, I'm not a better. I guess a safe bet is Trump wins New Hampshire, goes on, wins South Carolina, and gets the nomination. That's a safe bet. But I got to tell you, New Hampshire, I've seen it time and time again. George W. Bush, sitting governor of Texas, sitting in the now it's the Double Treat Hotel in Manchester, expecting a big win. He's sitting there and he gets clocked by John McCain. I mean, I could go back and back. And I got to tell you, I just think this one just feels a little unpredictable. And yet everyone thinks it's predictable. And when days ahead, it's Trump, Trump, Trump. He's going to win. I just feel that New Hampshire has always surprised me and it may surprise the nation. I'm not sure. Well, they're going to reward the grassroots effort. Now, Nikki Haley's taking a lot of criticism for just not debating unless Donald Trump is on the stage. I disagree with that criticism. I think it's a sound decision, good strategy. Getting on stage with Ron DeSantis, who has already made the decision to forego New Hampshire, uh, the cost-benefit analysis just doesn't bear out that it's worth the time. She's doing the retail politics. She's working the ground, meeting voters, talking to them in person, which I think is a sound decision. Does uh, ABC and WMUR like it? No. As a former journalist, do I like it? No, I like debates. So, you know, I think they're interesting. They're fun. It's part of the New Hampshire fabric. That said, I'm not on their campaign, and their mandate is to win the election. And I think it was a good decision. I think that this is going right. to be a very interesting night. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you and watching this unfold. But, uh, you know, the predictions, you know, they're as good as <laughs> they're as good as the betting slips that I usually take out of uh, Las Vegas on my annual trip there for football. And, uh, Usually not worth much. All right. Uh, Josh McKelvin, will catch you tomorrow. Uh, some analysis. Thank you very much. McKelvin Strategies. Thank you, Josh. You got it, buddy. And thanks again for yesterday. It was a great event. And thank uh, Eric and everyone. Auto Fair, you just heard the Sergeant Copco talking about careers and uh, brought to you by Auto Fair. We talk a lot about their uh, brands. And Jason LaCroix, who runs Auto Fair, uh, joining us with some primary deals. As people look to vote in the primary, there's primary opportunity. And, of course, I'm a big fan of the Honda Ridgeline. Auto Fair Honda, Manchester, but they have several occasions. Jason, good Thursday morning. Good morning, Jack. How are you? Good. I wanted to get a quick update on great time to get in, and I'll tell you with that slipping and sliding the other day, you want to get new tires and you want a good vehicle with a, you know, either all-wheel or four-wheel drive. But the state police in the Auto Fair segment, I heard your voice earlier on the promo, you know, they are looking for new recruits, Jason, and they say you have to be 21, but you don't. there's no age limit at the top, and you're a pretty fit physical person. Have you ever thought about maybe an auxiliary state trooper? It's not a bad idea. You have, you got you uh, have the look. I, you have I don't the think look. I could handle it though. No, you have the look. You have the I look. Couldn't and, handle the hours. No, you have the demeanor and the look. I could see you coming up to someone say, "Why are you driving so fast?" <laughs> yeah, I think I'll probably stick with what I'm doing. Well, you do it very, very well. Great team. What? Give me some primary deals with a primary around the corner to get in there. Uh, Jack, deals are back. We now have over 2,300 cars and. It's exciting to be back and dealing. Uh, I know the last couple of years the inventory has been really, really tight. People have been holding back, holding off, and um, we now have cars. You know, we're 2,300 cars on the ground. We have everything, and we're dealing, which is great. It's what I like, what I like to do, and what I have so much fun doing. Yeah, it really. Uh, I'll tell you, um, there's a lot of inventory, and I'll tell you, I don't know what it is, but some of the new vehicles, like the Hondas, you look at some of the, you know. Um, uh, not just the the uh, S, you know the, the, the I call them the mid range kind of a sport utility vehicle or I, I'm I'm biased I like pickup trucks but you look at some of the new vehicles they are beautiful 
they are beautiful and they drive great and they have incredible technology. You know, my car, if I'm if I'm not in the, if I'm start getting a little bit too close to the line, it, it it beeps at me and puts me back into uh, into line. If I put my directional on and I need to merge over to the right lane and there's a car there, it tells me. I mean, the, the safety features are great. It, um, they're fun to drive and you know the fact that we have them again is is a lot of fun. We're really really focusing on trying to make the ownership experience just the best that we possibly can from. You know, making sure we find the right car, make sure we get the you know, the best deal for our customer, but also after the fact with yeah. you know in our service department and, and everything else, we want to just provide a great ownership experience for all of our customers. And you're still hungry for used stuff, right? Certainly are. I just got off the phone with a guy earlier, and I, I just tell him find me some cars because I I need some pre-owned cars. So yes, definitely uh, high demand for for trade-ins. And and I you know again I I'm looking at some of the. The vehicles that, the, like, for example, Honda. But it's not just Honda. You know, run us through your locations. Yes, we have two Ford stores, one in Manchester, one in Haverhill. We have the Honda store right here in Manchester, along with Hyundai Genesis. Uh, we have Nissan and Stratum, which you're very familiar with. And uh, Subaru and Haverhill, Toyota down in Tuxbury, and Volkswagen in Nashville, along with our collision center over on Gold Street. Well, I think Deb, Deb Roy, you know, one of your great um, business and sales folks, I think she's, I think she's kind of mad at me because – she really, when we did that great 15th anniversary at Auto Fair Honda with the state police in the state of New Hampshire, our weekly segment, and you were there, of course, uh, there was that beautiful, I don't know the color blue, but it was a beautiful blue Honda Ridgeline, the showroom, and she's really mad that I didn't follow up and, and buy it, She was or lease it. She, she really was, she's not happy with me. Yeah, I'm not mad, but I'm a little disappointed, Jack. <laughs> All right, get in there. What what is the right atop it? What, do you have like one particular model that is just you know six out of ten people are getting the Honda CRV, and I have them. Um, I have all of the the trims. We have the hybrid, which is becoming one of our best sellers. So that I would come come drive a Honda CRV, fantastic in the snow, fun to drive, and great fuel efficiency. Well, we have a lot of listeners. I just got some messages about, is is he really looking to become an auxiliary state trooper? I guess we should say no, but you're open to the thought. You're not ruling it out. <laughs> I'm not ruling it out. They're good guys. <laughs> I, I enjoy hanging out with them. Jason, thanks. I'll get back to work. Jason LaCroix, Auto Fair Honda, but not just there. Of course, they have the Hyundai, the Ford. Uh, they even have a Volkswagen, right? Yes, we do. All right. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Thanks. And, of course, remember, Auto Fair, Nissan, and Stratum, 500 bucks additional. Just say Jack, J-A-C-K. Michael Dennehy, uh, one of our great political... He knows a little bit about polls because George W. Bush was supposed to win that primary, Michael, and you screwed it up for him. <laughs> well, John McCain screwed it up, not me. <laughs> well, you, you were the manager. You've, not, you've won not uh, one but two primaries. What does this one feel like, Michael? You're, you're one of the best. What does it feel like? You'll be joining well, us election night. Go ahead. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jack. Uh, you certainly hit the nail on the head. Polls are more wrong than right, and that's never been more the case in the last few election cycles. So, so uh, it, I, you also, I think, stated uh, what I believe is to, to the truth that that Donald Trump's base and the Republican voter base is solidly behind Trump. That is now I, I, I am saying this because of the polling data, but I do believe it because it's been so remarkably consistent in every poll, regardless of modeling how many independents are going to show up and how and so on and so forth. He's got 60 to 65 percent of the Republicans. The giant variable, as is every New Hampshire primary of the independent undeclared voters. 
So where are they right now? And, and, and like you said, Jack, they're hard to poll. They're, more than anyone, they're the hardest folks to yeah. poll. Yeah. And uh, that's where that's where Nikki Haley's strategy needs to be focused in the final five days is purely on independent voters. The, the, the race for Republican voters are over. Trump's got them. She needs to get the independents. Can she? That's a listen. That's the that's the sixty four million dollar question. Um, uh, if I'm Nikki what, Haley, what, what, no, I want to know what Mike Dennehy thinks. Mike, yeah. I like a lot of these analysts. Yep. And pundits and host, you've been in that room. You've made these calls. Yep. For example, I had Ron DeSantis on earlier. They made a call when things weren't going great in New Hampshire to focus on Iowa. Came in second, distant second, probably enough to stay alive through New Hampshire. Now he's focusing on South Carolina. And then maybe Super Tuesday, hoping that Nikki Haley doesn't win New Hampshire, doesn't win her home state. That's pretty clear yep. to me. So strategy, yep. you've been that strategist. Yep. I want to know what you think, because Governor Sununu was on with Mike Pomp earlier. He's very upbeat. He was on CNN this morning from Hollis. Nikki Haley is good shape. Forty percent of those undeclared are going to go Republican. They're not going to go with Trump. Um, she's going to do great on Tuesday. She's going to surprise a lot of people. She can win this thing still. That's the Sununu narrative. Of course, he's endorsed yeah. her. What yeah, is Mike? Right. Da- I want to know what you honestly think. If someone at home, if you go home and you're, I always call it my smarter, prettier, better half. If she says, Michael, who's going to? What's going to happen Tuesday between yeah. Trump and Nikki Haley? Is there a surprise or not? I want to know what Dennehy thinks. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think there'll be a surprise. And that's based on, a, on two big factors. Number one, Nikki Haley should be, uh, should be hitting the streets and the town halls every minute of every day for the next five days. She has one public event for voters scheduled each day. That's not going to win independence. I'm surprised because uh, Sununu, you think, would have in, input on that and saying that's not, we, that's not what we should be doing. Yeah, I am too, Jack. It really surprises me because, you know, the, it, there's nothing more important than creating a buzz, creating momentum on the ground. And you can't do that with TV advertisements. You can't do it with, with um, uh, mail flyers. Uh, you can only do it in person and, and meeting as many people as you can, especially these independent voters who still so many, I'm sure, haven't made up their mind. You've got to connect with them. Well, and whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to ask a question, though. Why the strategy you're, shift? Because up until now, Nikki Haley's been everywhere. Yes. You know, several <laughs> events a day. Why, why yeah. are, they, are they, is it, is it they just feel that they, they have a good showing coming up? Let's play it safe? Uh, that's the only thing one can, can assume, Jack. And, it, and it's not, you can't play it safe when you're behind. You just can't do it. So why, I think, yes, I think she's afraid of making a mistake, which is why she canceled the debates, which is why she's not taking questions at town hall meetings anymore from voters. She's just having rallies. And, and again, I just don't think it's enough to win independent voters over. She has an, a giant opportunity to connect with these independents who want change. These independents are tired of, of the chaos between Biden and the chaos that Donald Trump brings. So they want some change, and Nikki Haley could say, this is the change that I'm going to deliver. But mm. she, isn't, she isn't doing it. Yeah. And, and then again, I, I, what about the surprise factor um, that New Hampshire likes to send? Does it not apply this time? Is it Trump? It's like concrete. He's just got too much of a solid base there. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's correct. It, it's the solid base with Republicans. It's his 
uh, message on the border, uh, in particular, I think that does connect with independent voters. And, you know, the other issue, Jack, is Nikki Haley has not done a good job defending herself from attacks, from these attacks from, from President Trump. Uh, so, so they're sitting out there. I mean, she's getting, she's only getting 50, 52% of the independent vote, according to polling, and Donald Trump's getting 37%. If she, if she's going to win on Tuesday, she needs 65% of the independent vote to offset Donald Trump's 60 to 65% on the Republican. Can you repeat that again? Yes, that Nikki Haley will need to win 65% of the independent undeclared vote on Tuesday in order to offset Donald Trump's strength on the Republican side, where he's getting 60 to 65%. Interesting. Now, I'm just, because I don't do the schedules and look at this, the granular, as much as uh, Mike Dennehy does, but are you saying that you feel her public schedule in New Hampshire, you know, from 6 in the morning till 9 at night is not packed enough in the next few days? No, I have no idea what she's doing, but she has only publicized one event per day open to voters. One. Mm -hmm. And and you just can't, obviously, you can't connect with many people uh, at, at one event a day. Now, real quickly, one thing we no one talks about. Democrat results Tuesday in New Hampshire because the DNC and Biden White House, they don't even want you to vote if you're a Democrat. Uh, they, they basically would, uh, what did they call? Uh, there was a, not, not suppressed, that was the Attorney General's. Uh, they basically said it would um, not just not detract. There was a term they used, uh, a detrimental. They said it would be detrimental to what they want if you vote Tuesday. So then, uh, is Joe Biden not going to get a lot of write-ins? Does Phillips do anything? Is there a surprise story in the Democrat results here because Biden's not on the ballot officially? I don't expect a big surprise on the on the Democratic side because, uh, you know, Dean Phillips has, right. has run a pretty disappointing campaign. Uh, and it's, it's surprising because, uh, you know, he kind of came out like gangbusters. Yeah. And then uh, and then it's like he hit the brakes. And All right. uh, yeah. All right. Thank you, Mike. We've got Governor Sununu coming on next after Aaron Real, Messina's News Radio National Correspondent. Michael Dennehy, Mike Dennehy. Check him out. Dennehy Bolet Group. Uh, one of our uh, great presenting sponsors for us, Primary Cup. We'll see you Tuesday, but I'll catch you tomorrow and each day before. Thank you, Michael. Yes, sir. Thanks, Jack. It's not every day that Governor Chris Sununu crashes. Good morning, New Hampshire, the pulse of an H, but he's welcome to any time. Governor, here we go. You're out there on the trail. Good morning, Governor Sununu. Hey, good morning, Jack. Boy, there's a, there's a lot of energy out here. People are excited, man. It's a lot of fun. Well, you know, it's not your main job, but I really do, given your your growing up here and knowing this models and all this, you probably know these numbers. Not probably. I think you know this stuff better than maybe the former Secretary of State, Bill Gardner. So I'm going to come back to what should we expect? I'm looking at the weather, believe it or not. Not bad on Tuesday, Governor Sinodo. Near 40 for a high. That's pretty balmy. No big storms in the forecast. Are we going to see a big voter turnout on Tuesday? I think so. I, all signs point to yes, right? So what you saw in Iowa was a terrible voter turnout, um, and it, which kind of made, you know, while Iowa, well, Trump won Iowa, let's appreciate, he, the guy got 56,000 votes out of over 3 million people. I mean, 56,000, what is that, 1.5%? 1.5% of Iowa doesn't dictate the choice of America, right? So having a strong voter turnout is really, really important here. Um, every All the signs point to, to a strong voter turnout. I mean, we'll see what I'm just, uh, I think Dave Scanlon is going to put out his prediction sometime soon. I'll be interested. But I think it should be a record turnout on the, on the Republican side. Governor, one of the interesting things I'm trying to figure out is we just had Mike Dennehy 
talking about Nikki Haley's schedule the next few days. You know, he managed that McCain campaign. You know what it's like, the momentum going into Tuesday. Be everywhere. I saw you out this morning. Nikki Haley's been all over the place. But Dennehy said, and you know this better than me, Governor, because you endorsed Nikki Haley, and I'm sure her folks are listening to you if they're smart because you're, you know, four-term uh, sitting elected governor here. Is her public schedule for voters enough over the next few days, or are you concerned that she should oh, be out huge. there? Oh, no, it, look, it's absolutely huge. And with due respect to Denny, he, he doesn't know the schedule. So, no, I mean, when she's here, she's on the road, town to town. Um, we're going to be on the seacoast. We're going to be tomorrow morning. We're going to be over in uh, Keene and Peterborough. We're going to be, I mean, just all over the place. I could go, it's dozens and dozens of stops over the next few days. No other candidate comes close. And there's really only one other candidate, right, Trump? guy's going to do like two or three town halls or whatever the heck it is if we're lucky and then fly back and and, and just hang out at mar-a-lago or you know because he's just this you know that's just his style he doesn't engage with voters nikki is going to be absolutely okay. everywhere it's going to be terrific now this is the question that i really tuned in on because again i i, I i'm not look i'm just giving you the do where it's due you know this stuff, or you wouldn't have been elected four times. So I'm, I've gotten pretty good at it. I, I guess I suppose I've gotten pretty good at it. Well, here's the deal, though. It's a primary. It's a primary, but it's a presidential primary. And I'm, what I'm stuck on is, and this is what I get asked from outside media all the time, is two things stick in my mind, Governor Sununu, going into Tuesday. Whatever the national media thinks and whatever the polls think, that's not what New Hampshire delivers. I've just seen it over and over again. Whatever the narrative going into Tuesday it just doesn't happen. So the narrative is Trump's got a double-digit lead. Neil Levesque's latest poll, Trump's got a double-digit lead. I think that poll's a little aggressive. I know Trump has a very solid base of support. I get that. You know, it's like concrete. But if Nikki Haley can get more than half of the independent and undeclared, these polls are all wrong. What does Chris Sununu think? Yeah, there's no doubt. Look, no one should be surprised. Uh, Trump's numbers went up a little because Vivek had gotten out of the race and he had done... You know, he had won Iowa. Okay, fine. That's an expected bump. Nikki's numbers from the last NA's poll jumped seven or eight points as well, right? So it's getting, you know, tighter to be a two-person race. DeSantis is a non-factor at this point. So, I mean, we'll see, you know, what, what happens, you know, with, with his votes. But, um, no, every, everything is kind of coalescing around a one- and two-person race. And I could say the ARG poll has it tied. Uh, the NA's poll has it down by 14. Uh, the, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But we don't really look at that stuff. I mean, as a politician, I can tell you every poll that supports Chris Sununu and Nikki Haley is absolutely right. And every poll that has a widespread is absolutely wrong, right? It's, yeah, that's just what we do. We support, we, we, we tout the ones that are great, and, and we, we push back against the ones that aren't. But to your point, Jack, nobody knows. Nobody really knows. You've got to just keep grinding, grinding, grinding. That's what Nikki's going to do over the next few days. She's got little meet and greet, 20-minute stops here, um, hour-long kind of town halls there. But what she does after every one of these, she takes the selfie. She answers the question. She, you know, engages with the voters one-on-one. She's, Trump doesn't do that. And that goes a long way. That, that meaningful connection goes a long way. Um, she's already spent way more time here than, than anybody, any other mm-hmm. candidate. Mm-hmm. They're all gone. So now it's just about making sure that we get the vote out. Do not sit on your couch and wait for the result. Do not, you've got to get up and participate in this election. Undeclared Republican, she's a strong conservative. That has appealed to everyone because she's just so damn likable. She's so genuine. So that is what it is. Don't don't say, well, democracy. There's a threat to democracy out there, but you don't go vote. You don't participate in democracy to get the result. What yeah. Nikki Haley wants, what the media wants, what Kristen Nunez wants doesn't matter. All that matters is what the voters want. They have ultimate control on Tuesday. It's an amazing power. But, you know, a lot of people in the world still can't vote. 
they can't elect their their, oh, yeah. their leadership, no, right? So yeah. don't take it for, for granted. We just want everyone to get out and participate. Do you, do you think there'll be more than 350,000 total votes on Tuesday? Uh, so I think the record for Republicans is 285, right? I'm guessing it's going to be over 300, to be sure, um, uh, which would be great. I think maybe 60,000, I'm guessing. This is just my personal guess on the Democrat side, because, you know, who, who really cares about, you know, writing in Joe Biden's name? Um, so, yeah, I think there'll be over 350 total. Um, somewhere between three and three twenty. I mean, maybe more. Maybe three fifty for on the Republican side. I mean, there's so much energy, you just don't know. But needless to say, I'm I'm pretty confident we're going to break a record. Well, we got the weekend to go. Actually, Friday and then the weekend and then a Monday. So you know, it's like a football game. There's more than a couple minutes left here. Actually, there's about if I had to say in the NFL in a playoff game, there's a feels like there's about six minutes, seven minutes left. So a couple turnovers, things can happen. If someone said, Governor Sununu, give me a percentage with the apparent Trump double-digit lead right now, give me a percentage of Nikki Haley actually pulling off an upset here. What would you place that percentage between 1 and Oh, 100? I don't know. Look, look, she's already exceeded expectations, right? We wanted her to have a strong set, and she's got that. We wanted it to be a two-person race. We've got that. Trump is the only one that set the expectation on the win. He's got to win. Otherwise, that national discussion completely flips 180 degrees. So it would be an upset. There's no doubt about it. I think she can pull it off. I don't know about percentages. But to your point, you're right. This is this is um, this is kind of the, the the playoffs. There's two teams left. There's six minutes left, and the good news is I got Tom Brady as quarterback on my side. That's Nikki Haley. She is the Tom Brady that can that has wowed everyone. The number of people, Jack, that come to these events and they're like, "Holy cow!" In person, it's so different. In yeah. person, there's such a connection. She's just so natural, right? Yeah. She's just she's the full package. So having her make all these stops all across the state over the next few days is going to be super impactful. I just, I, you know, I heard about Belichick interviewing with the Atlanta Falcons open coaching job. I, I, I saw on one of these um, out-of-state media sites that you're looking at the general manager's position of the Atlanta Falcons. Are you? In, I'm kidding, Chris. I'm kidding, Governor. Yeah. Well, so I guess if she's Tom Brady, I'm, I'm Gerard Mayo. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm the new guy on the scene. I'm, I'm directing it a little bit, and we're going to deliver a big win. I, I, think, I think he's going to be a great coach. I'm excited. I Governor, thank great. you. Thanks yeah. for crashing the show. Thank you for crashing the show. Thank you, man. You, you know, you know, there's an election coming up when the governor crashes the show. Good morning, New Hampshire, the Pulse with H. Aaron Rial, a quick update. NBC News Radio national correspondent. We have the presidential candidates. The governor crashes. So, so Aaron was nice enough to slide for a quick report. Take it away, Aaron. Yes, thank you for your time. I know it's a busy day. This is one of the busiest times for you guys. But today, we are looking at what Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary for President Biden, came out and said yesterday that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is coming out to help us. They're proposing new rules that are going to curb excessive overdraft fees that are charged to customers at large banks and credit unions. This is likely to save consumers as much as $3.5 billion a year. It's wow. part of Biden and his administration's bigger push to cut down on junk fees. They're going after everything from airline tickets to rentals, hotels, live events. Wow. So what this would do, Jack, is that customers who typically – are charged $35 for an overdraft, a.k.a. loan, that fee, while the majority of the consumers who use debit cards and overdraft, they do it for less than 26 bucks, and it's repaid within three days. So that's a really predatory number. It's going to save them hundreds of dollars a year, maybe thousands. And what the banks are going to probably have to do is charge a flat fee. There's a great period until this has to be enacted, but they're likely going to do a flat, three, flat fee between 3 and $14, way better than 35 Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot. All right, thank you, Aaron Rial, NBC News Radio National Correspondent. Matthew Bartley, you've been at an event this morning. We just had Governor Sununu crash the show, a Nikki Haley event, Brad Card listening. Matthew, give us a snapshot from the field. 
Yeah, listen, it is game on in New Hampshire. Uh, cold ground, but the race is red hot. Was with Ron DeSantis last night in Derry. He had a great crowd. Um, he he gave his stump speech, which is actually probably the best I've seen him um, all year. Took questions and then gaggled with the press. And then Nikki Haley this morning in Hollis, massive crowd. Governor Sununu was out there, said 3 million people in Iowa, 56,000 voted for Donald Trump. This race is not over. New Hampshire is going to shock, um, you know, the world, and so is Nikki Haley. Um, he introduced her. She talked about spending the border, said if Donald Trump's going to lie about me, I'm going to tell the truth about him. She went on, uh, took questions from the crowd, and then gaggled with the press, taking sharp aim at the former president. Um, she's on the road today, has CNN tonight. Uh, but it is very exciting out there. Again, big crowd, big enthusiasm you know, for Nikki Haley. Uh, Ron DeSantis is not done yet. He's going to be back on Friday, maybe even yep. this weekend. Well, he, Obviously, he, former Trump's all over the place. So fun times in New Hampshire. Well, he joined uh, me live this morning out of the gate, Governor DeSantis. Clearly, he's looking at South Carolina probably thinking we'll make a decision after that. But anyway, Matthew Bartlett, thank you. Or you can hang for a minute. Brad Card, one of the rumors going around this morning, we had Mike Dennehy on earlier, is that Nikki Haley's public schedule over the next few days into Tuesday is not wide and open for voters. But Governor Sununu just shot that down. He said she's going to be everywhere. She's out there. Sununu's all pumped up. Brad, the wild, it seems to me, Brad, the wild card seems to be how many people are going to vote Sununu just said he thinks it could be as high as 360,000 total Tuesday. And then the question is, how many of those undeclared or independents are going to go for Nikki Haley, not Trump? Because, you know, Trump has a number. That St. Anselm College poll, you know, having Trump like a 13-something point lead, doesn't it, it feels a little high to me. I think, I think if I had to say today, Trump has maybe a near 10-point lead in the end. But is this tighter? Are we missing something here, Brad? Is there a surprise yeah. in the works or, or not? What we're doing is going by gut right now, Jack. I mean, I, I, I put a lot of stock in what Neil Levesque does at St. Anselm College, and, and he's got a poll that has Nikki Haley down pretty good. Um, my inclination is she is down uh, maybe double digits. Um, if she's down 10, uh, that is certainly better than what people thought she was going to be doing a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she's got to come on. I think she has to have a really strong um, performance. If you take a look at what's happening, there's a lot of coalescing around Donald Trump now. Donald Trump is almost an inevitability of his, um, of his nomination right now, which, which doesn't make me tremendously happy. But I think there's a feeling of that. Certainly amongst members of Congress are now kind of coming out in droves and endorsing, uh, endorsing the former president. Um, but, well, I think it's a mistake, what, but what? I think Nikki Haley's going to have to really show that she can close this and, 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 and really outperform and okay. exceed expectations. Matthew, you still with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do a little combo here. Let's do a little ping pong here with you both. Um, okay, so I hear all that, but I, I'm just historically looking, although Trump is Trump. We've never seen a Donald Trump really in American politics that I've ever seen sort of before 2016. But But it seems that New Hampshire is unpredictable just when you think it's predictable. So in other words, I know you place a lot of respect to Neil's stuff, so do I. But, Brad, I think I think we're missing something. I'm just not sure what that is. I don't think – I mean, Chris Christie's not in anymore, so maybe half of his 10% goes to Nikki Haley. DeSantis right. isn't catching much here. So it is really a Trump-Haley picture. Well, I think Nikki's – I think Nikki Haley's – Message has been pretty spot on. I'd like her to get a little bit more aggressive. Well, uh, that's my I point. My, hold on, this. hold on, hold on. My point to you is 
I know to people like you, her message resonates. We're tired of the chaos. Chaos follows Trump wherever he goes. But, Brad, last night at the Sheridan Hotel in Portsmouth, the Trump supporters there, they want chaos, Brad. They love yeah, well, chaos. They hold on, 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 Listen, they love chaos. That's what they're all about. Take it away. He's not a conservative leader. You take a look at what happened during COVID, that stimulus package that they presented that was Donald Trump's, that Donald Trump owns. He was president at the time with the Republican Congress and forced this through, gave money to everybody. It gave money to to people that we knew were still going to get paid. He gave money to know, federal government employees. I know, but who's thinking about that? Who's thinking about that? Hold on. Who's thinking about that? That's not a conservative thing to do. Who's thinking about that in that Trump Sheridan hotel room? Well, they should be holding him accountable for what he did when he was president. We have massive deficits. And part of the reason why we have massive deficits is because he gave money to federal government employees that were never going to miss a paycheck. And he gave money to Social Security recipients that were never going to miss a Social Security check. I'm not saying you're wrong. But what I am saying is, to the Trump voter, it's almost like a movement. It's it's like a you know I said earlier, yeah, not, it's sticking the finger in the eye of the man. That's right. what they're doing. I, and they did it before, and they want to do it again. And what you're not calculating, even though you don't like it, I'm just saying, you know, I said to someone last uh, this morning, when when you have a packed room in Portsmouth, he's going to be at the Grapponi Center tomorrow night in Concord, probably. 50, 60, 70 percent of those voters are from New Hampshire. He has such followers from Maine, Massachusetts that travel with him. It's almost like, you know, a band when the Eagles were popular. People would go anywhere to hear him. So Trump's Jack, got- I'm a former law enforcement guy. Republicans historically have always supported law enforcement. I don't understand it, but Donald Trump right now sticks his finger in the eye of law enforcement constantly. He tries to make himself be the victim on every single thing that he's done. I, I, again, you take a look at this e, uh, Gene Carroll uh, defendant? civil suit that yeah, he's got yeah. pending. That's outrageous behavior and wouldn't be acceptable to anybody. I know, but, all, but, but, but what you're Trump. missing is all this stuff helps Trump. Matthew Bartlett, respond to what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, listen, there's nothing you're going to tell a Trump voter that they have not heard from Democrats in the media for eight years. But let's talk about Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is a Tea Party darling, endorsed by Sarah Palin in 2010, South Carolina. Last time I checked, that is a pretty conservative state, built um, an economic engine of the South. How MAGA is Nikki Haley? Well, let me tell you, Donald Trump picked her to go lead a MAGA foreign policy over at the U.N. I know. On behalf of I know. Country. That's all past, though. Well, and, and, and she's got a record, <clears throat> and she's got a vision for America. She's out there making her case. And, you know, Brad, and you, you're talking about all these congressmen and women and senators endorsing Donald Trump. Forget about draining the, tr- the swamp. Now, now you're getting endorsed by the swamp? Yeah. Last He's time I checked, Congress is in the toilet. Like, who cares about that? Run as an outsider. Uh, that's what you are, and, and this race is on New Hampshire. Jack, I think that Nikki Haley has to make that case, and, and, I, and I think that she's starting to. I hope it's not too late. Um, I, I think for too long that she had gloves on and wasn't, wasn't she was just being very nice to Donald Trump because she didn't want to offend people. Look, there are big, big differences between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. And unfortunately, most of the big differences are not on a lot of policies. I think that they share many, many, many policy items. Um, I, I think that she's dead right when it comes to the Ukraine and, and our standing around the world. And I think Donald Trump is dead wrong. And so I, I, I'd like people to actually take a look at what this world would look like if we were to get out of the Ukraine and stop supporting our our our, what, what, um, our allies around the world. Matthew Matthew Bartlett just said this, but Trump Republican primary Tuesday presidential, 
Trump gets what percent of that Republican vote? Is it 65 percent in your mind? Uh, I 65 percent. I do not uh, of the Republican vote. Yeah, yeah. Just Republican. Just, just, no, no, no. Just, no. just Republican declared vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Not I think that's. I think okay. that's a good number. Okay. Yeah. So what? I think, is, I think that's a little high. Okay. So what does Nikki Haley have to get of independent and and undeclared? Certainly more than 50 percent. Is it as high as 65 percent to make this tight? I think 80. Brad. No, I don't think she's going to get 80. But I, I, I think that. No, no. What I, does I she have? That, no. What does she have to get to make this tight? You know, I, I hate the numbers games because I, I think the reality is, is she's got to overperform, and we got to define what overperforming is. And and will DeSantis suck some Trump votes away from Trump? Uh, that's a possibility. I think that DeSantis kind of having a, a a campaign on life support is probably going to help Donald Trump much more. It's going to much more than it's going to help Nikki Haley. Um, but I, I think that people have to actually do some soul searching and say, what do they really want? Do you want to live with chaos for the next four years? Do you want all this headache that you're going to have constantly? Do you want this retribution tour that, quite frankly, everything is about Donald Trump? It's not about America. We hear about America first with most people, but it's not America first with Donald Trump and his supporters. It's Donald well, Trump first. It's clear to me both of you, because we have another minute or two, I'll let you wrap it up. It's clear to me both that Nikki Haley right now is playing mainly and totally for the independent and undeclared. That's her That's her. Customers. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. I think she's going after mainstream Republicans as well. Well, no, what I'm saying is to, to, to get what she doesn't already have. If you're a mainstream Republican and you're going to vote for Nikki Haley, I think your mind's made up. I, I do. I, I, you know, they've been watching this. She's been here for a while. I'm looking at these independents and just how much can they – Undeclared, and that's the group she's playing for. And I think it's a, I think it's a numbers game. How many can she? I think get? you have to look at electability too, Jack. Electability. Clearly, Nikki Haley in the general election is much yeah, more electable. Yeah, no, here, than no, well, here we go again. And the reality is, who knows if Joe Biden is still going to be? Whoa, the whoa, whoa, whoa! Here we go again. You're, I'm not disagreeing with logic and rational and smarts. You're not incorrect. Governor Sununu says the same thing. Think about the general election. Think about us losing the state house. Think about us losing Congress. Do you think any Trump voter is thinking about the general election? No, they don't give a damn about that. Jack, they should because they should have learned something from the last election in New Hampshire, where right. they were all Trump supporters that got a, that got the win the primaries. So and again, hammered, again, except Governor Sununu. Again, Governor Sununu was the bright light there. Again, a Republican primary is different than a general. So the key is to get all these other voters to think about the general election. Not the not the classic Republican primary voter because they've already made up their mind if they're going to vote for Trump. Let's win elections, not primaries. Matthew, final word. Yeah, listen. I think Nikki Haley right now. I think you're right, Jack. Has a lot of uh, and 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 you know uh, uh, traditional Yankee Republicans, independents. She needs MAGA voters, and I'm not cons- uh, I'm not sure that going you know hard after Trump and calling him every name in the book I mean, is the best way to bring those how, people how over. She needs a magnet, not how, a spear. How did that work for Chris Christie? Precisely. Precisely. Hey, did you know Brad was – were you actually drafted by Quebec, Brad? No. No. <laughs> Matthew, did you but know – But hey, I Matthew, did stay in the Holiday Inn Express last night. Ma- Matthew, did you know – are you up here, Brad? No, I okay. am not. I am, I, I am, I am coming in up. our nation's capital, and I am coming up. I will be up um, tomorrow night. Okay. Well, did you also know that Matthew Bartlett, that Brad's one of the better golfers in Washington, D.C.? Uh, winter and summer sports. Wow, you got to cover. <laughs> I got cigars hey, broken down. Florida for you. You live in Florida for a little bit, and you get to play golf. All right, boy. Uh, both like of you. Both of you. We'll catch you real soon. Good morning, Hampshire. The Pulse of Nation. Live or die. Uh, good, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Those are a couple. That's a flavor of what you're going to get on election night. Delighted to bring in Josh Hammer.
We thank our friends on the NBC side. Uh, he's a senior editor at large, which is pretty cool at Newsweek. And I, I, it's been a while, but I, I got to tell you, I've always been a fan of Newsweek. I hope they're still the mission. Still, uh, they're doing okay there. But he's a senior editor at large. Josh just returned from Israel, and it's pretty cool. Where he met with lawmakers, he checked out the the healthcare side on hospitals. You saw firsthand what's going on, and it's hard for us here to really know all that, both in Gaza and beyond the border area. Josh, thanks for being on Good Morning Hampshire, the Pulse of an Age, Eyes in the Nation on our primary, a lot of national media in here, but I wanted you to talk a little bit about your visit and perspective. Jack, I appreciate you having me. It's obviously the busiest time of the year, the busiest time of, their, of the four years there in your state, so I appreciate the time. It was a really eye-opening trip. I was there in Israel for a week. I visited hospitals where we saw soldiers recovering. We met with a lot of lawmakers in, in the parliament and in various other settings. I, I spoke at a conference in Jerusalem last Thursday. But my trip down south to the communities that were ravaged by Hamas on October 7th was just gut-wrenching stuff. I don't really know how, how else to describe it. I mean, going there to Kafar Aza, this tiny kibbutz, quite literally on the fence with Gaza. I, I cannot underscore that enough. It is literally abutting the, the border fence, just Seeing the destruction, the houses that look like they've just been bombed to no end, the blood stains on the wall, the children's toys, the kitchen utensils just strewn everywhere all throughout about. Devastating, devastating stuff, to put it mildly. But the, the other takeaway, Jeff, that I had from my trip there, and I experienced this right there in Kafar Aza and then also nearby in Raim, which is where the Nova Music Festival was, which is also very difficult, of course. But what I experienced both there and Kafar Aza as well, was just seeing the resolve and the unanimity of purpose and the lack of any moral ambiguity, the righteous indignation, and the the determination of the Israeli civilians and soldiers that they are in the right and that they are going to see this thing through. There was a lot of spontaneous singing and dancing, trying to power your way, even in the midst of unspeakable atrocity, with this clear-eyed vision, with faith ultimately in, in God above. And Seeing that up close and personal was really inspiring, Jack. Why? What's the Israel public sentiment on Gaza? And, and, you know, we have such a divided public here. I don't get it. I think the anti-Semitism is repugnant. I don't think people know their history. I don't think they know that Hamas started the war on October 7th. There was a ceasefire before that. But, you know, college campuses, ceasefire in Gaza, almost an anti-Israeli sentiment. Netanyahu saying, we're going to finish it. We're going to finish it. We're going to get all the Hamas leaders and that's it. And, of course, we see what's going on in the Red Sea and around Israel. What's the public support at? They're going to finish the job. So, uh, you know, unless you are on the extreme, extreme far left of the Israeli political spectrum, if you are an anti-Zionist who actually believes that Israel should not exist, and, you know, believe it or not, Israel's commitment to free speech is is, is so extreme that they actually allow people who believe in the destruction of the state to speak on the floor of their national legislature, of the Knesset. But unless you are that far out there, if you are in the 90% of political normalcy, 95%, you probably think that this thing needs to be seen through in Gaza. That was the overwhelming message that I heard from everyone. Netanyahu is currently telling the Israeli public to buckle down that this is going to go on for most of this calendar year, the year 2024. His political future potentially might be dire after the war effort is over, but most of the folks there are not thinking about that right now. Yeah, right well, now, they, they, just, they want their hostages home and Hamas destroyed. Right. And you know, Josh, of course, Winston Churchill, I love history, after World War II, not reelected to Parliament, 
after being prime minister and helping to save the world. Hey, real quickly, Josh, I'd love to follow up somehow if you want to reach out to J-Dog during the break. I'd love to maybe get you on more after the primary once in a month, once a month just from the Newsweek perspective. Uh, I've always been a fan of Newsweek, so if that's something of interest, I'd love to maybe have you call in from time to time on big stuff you're working on. Absolutely. Would love to do so. Michael Graham, I hope you, are you get, did you get, you got another cold? Uh, no, I'm fine. Just, you, I, I didn't realize the mic was hot. I would have, I wouldn't have coughed right into your, your headphones there, Mr. Heath. Right. I apologize. New Hampshire Journal, NHJournal.com. Take it away. What's going A few days to go. What's going to happen on Tuesday? Uh, you know, the voters are going to vote. The voters are going to decide, you know, what's, what's going to happen. You could argue that uh, what's going to happen is going to be what's going to have happened since the summer when Trump hit that 45% level in uh, Iowa and New Hampshire in the polls, and it's just kind of sat there all along. And so we, what, what do you see? What's the thing that's been consistent in the data? Uh, first things first, Republicans like Donald Trump. And I know that upsets your friend Brad Card very deeply, and I'm not <laughs> commenting on whether or not Republicans should like Donald Trump. They just do. And every time you ask them, they say, yes, I like Donald Trump. And uh, so uh, Trump had about a 15-point lead uh, December 15th. He had about a 15-point lead you know, uh, January 1st. He has about a 15-point lead now. That's what the polls show, and that lead is now up 50 percent. I just I just want to I, I don't want to throw cold water. I mean, we haven't had the vote yet and anything can happen. And 2022 uh, was a reminder that uh, the data can be wildly wrong. The U.S. Senate race numbers here were just totally off. It was, you know, it, it, there was never a race for U.S. Senate, but it sure looked like one. This could be an inversion. It could be look like there's never a race. And uh, there are there are Democratic activists who are working hard to get Democrat leading un- unaffiliated to vote in the primary. They, their goal is to have 100,000 Democrat leaning unaffiliated in the Republican primary. And if that happens, that's, you know, obviously that's huge and that changes everything. That would be very unusual. So all those things could happen. But uh, I think the lesson of Iowa is that what usually happens is what usually happens. And Iowa went just as predicted. The Suffolk poll was within, you know, a couple points straight down. Trump broke 50. And I just want to remind everybody, two months ago, if you had said Donald Trump is going to get 50% plus in Iowa and New Hampshire, the immediate reaction from the guests on your show, Jack, would have been, well, then the primary's over. And it's very likely that Trump is going to get 50% or better in Iowa and New Hampshire. At least that's what the data shows as of today. And that's but the- I, was with, um, I was with a bunch of less than Trump-friendly Republicans last night. The mm-hmm. Josiah Bartlett Center had to vet with the folks from The Dispatch, you know, which is a uh, non-Trump-friendly conservative news outlet. Steve Hayes of The Weekly Standard, Jonah Goldberg, National Review, Sarah Isger, uh, Mike Warren. And the crowd it was really interesting because uh, there was a sense of resignation among uh, about half the people who were there that, you know, Trump's got this, what can we do? And then the other half were actually Trump supporters who were like, yeah, I got all kinds of problems with him, but compared to what we've got or what we need right now, or he's been treated unfairly or whatever. And so, so even among the branch of the GOP that's, that's, you know, not MAGA, they would never wear a red hat. They still like Trump. They're fine with him. He's like, yeah, we got to go beat Biden. It's, this is the tool for Biden beating. Let's pick up the tool and get to work. Uh, let me just, the only thing I want to ask you before I let you go, Michael Graham, NHJournal.com, is all that, I think it's hard to, you know, really disagree with. Even if you don't want mm-hmm. that to happen, I hear you. But the only thing I'm seeing historically is, although I'm wondering if Donald Trump breaks this, 
is New Hampshire doesn't like to go with the conventional news story that's already written that Trump wins mm-hmm. Iowa, Trump wins New Hampshire big. They, they just always send a surprise. And are there enough independents and undeclareds who are going to send a surprise or not? So independents and undeclareds are not the same thing. Undeclareds no, are I know. mostly no, Republicans I, no, I, I, and Democrats. I, I know who they are. I'm saying And synonymous. they're going to vote Republicans, so that's what they're going to do. Independence, actual independence, very hard to find. But, Jack, I think one of the things that you've done that more people need to do is you keep asking your guests, what about the Democrats? What about what's going on over there? Because there is stuff going on over there. Kathy Sullivan and her crew who are trying to rescue Joe Biden are spending, real, spending money. They're trying to organize things. Every major leader in the state on the Democratic side, Shaheen, Hassan, they're all promoting this right and effort. And now Andrew Valinsky, your old buddy, the guy who ran for governor, uh, you know, as a Democrat, he started a group called Ceasefire. And they're urging Democrats not to vote in the Republican primary against Trump, but vote in the Democratic primary and write in Ceasefire to show your anger at Democrats supporting Israel. It's an anti-Israel group. They're accusing Israel of genocide, which is ludicrous in my opinion on space. Now think about the job you've got to do, Jack, if you're a town, you know, election monitor. If you're the, you know, you're, you're there and you've got, it was going to be just writing in Joe Biden. Then the Republicans started in write in Bozo to counteract Joe Biden. And now you've got this progressive liberal Democratic group um, saying write in uh, uh, ceasefire. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be a mess Tuesday night on the Democratic side. And what do you predict there? I predict that uh, Biden is not going to be happy with the results. It's going to be ugly and messy, and people are going to go, this is yet another sign that Biden is weak. That's what I predict. All right. I appreciate it, Michael Graham, NHJournal, NHJournal.com. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Lucas Meyer, straight to the dome. Let's have a Democrat analyst and expert. Hopefully he can join us somewhat on Tuesday and Tuesday night from St. Anselm College, West Wing. Good morning, Lucas. Well, I think, I think the question for you, Jack, is do your listeners really want to hear from me on the Republican primary night? I mean, it should be a pretty sleepy affair on the D side of things. I'm happy to join. No, I, 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 I come on. Don't undersell. <laughs> don't undersell yourself. You're just mad that they named Gerard Mayo head coach of the Patriots and not you. Oh, that's a great hire. That's really exciting. I know. I mean, I, I, I oh, thought I, it was you know a cage match between Grable and Mayo for it, but I'll take, I'll take it. I don't want to get into it because I'm excited about the games this weekend for a great distraction. I love the Belichick, Brady, Brady, Belichick, maybe more Brady era, but I got to tell you, I think Mayo's, I think it's exciting. I think he's going to be a player's coach. I think it's more of the future. He's younger. He's got respect. I think it's going to be exciting. Hey, and by the way, how can they go, how can they go worse than four and 13? Um, Lucas, here's the conventional wisdom I hear from the Levex and other people uh, and Sununu earlier, big voter turnout on Tuesday. More presumably Republicans, since it's a Republican primary, as you voted to. Maybe as many as 350, 360,000. I don't know if that's that high, but anyway. And Trump's got a lock on the Republican part of that vote. Does Nikki Haley get enough of those independent and undeclared to make this a tight race, or does Trump run away with it? What do you think? I mean, this is, this is the beauty of the first in the nation. You know, there'll be a lot of anticipation between now and Tuesday about what, what will happen. I mean... I think if you're a political scientist and you're looking at the numbers, I don't know if you should expect a really like a an overwhelming turnout of independence enough so to push Nikki Haley to beat Trump in the state. I'd be super skeptical of that. I do I do think there's going to be a really strong voter turnout for a primary. I think especially I mean I think I saw a report that even on the I mean 
When you compare the spending between the Republican first in the nation spending and the Democratic first in the nation spending, um, obviously apples to oranges uh, with the Republican primary. But, you know, the write-in effort for Biden has raised you know, half a million dollars. I've certainly been getting a lot of mail uh, for the write-in effort. So, uh, you know, I- I'm always a big proponent of strong ver- voter turnout. I think with folks and listeners should be really um, aware of heading into Tuesday on the more functional side of things um, is around the write-in votes and how long it will take. Yeah. Uh, the Secretary of State and the Attorney General's office have put out guidance saying election officials can announce the Republican results um, before uh, the write-ins are done counting from the Democratic side of things, since that will take a longer amount of time, which I think is really important guidance for folks. But I just, you know, patience is a virtue, and making sure we give our election officials enough time to do their job is really important. <laughs> and if you live in a town with a lot of voters, make sure your clerk and your moderator have the volunteers they need. You know, if we're yeah. going to talk the talk on the first of the nation, we got to walk the walk and help out. Lucas, I just want to have some fun. I know you're a good sport. I, I was getting some uh, Coors Light the other day and some uh, uh, a steak in the grocery store, and I heard a bunch of people in the corner in the produce section saying, "I can't wait till Tuesday to go right in Joe Biden." They were they were just uh, they were jumping up and down. Clamoring. Uh, I'm kidding. Clamoring, I'm, Jack. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's good. Like it's it's. I'm glad. I'm glad it's happening. I am. I mean, I think the best part of Dean Phillips' campaign is his like Bigfoot ad. I don't. I don't think it's persuading anyone. I think it's like a clever ad. But I think uh, I think our election officials will do their job. I think the Democratic side of things, despite the okay. DNC, will have a positive message coming out of Tuesday. Put yourself on the, the you know the analyst. Uh, just tell me at the end of it all, ten o'clock, ten thirty, Tuesday night, whatever. The results are in. Most of Republican primary. Give me kind of the final score. Uh, between, you know, Trump, Haley, presumably if it's DeSantis and third, give me kind of the final score. I mean, if I'm going, like, straight-up analytical, like, I'm not using my gut, <laughs> I, I think Trump wins by 20. I think, they, wow, I think really? the race I think, I think the race is called five minutes after polls close or something. Right, right. I think it's very quick. All right, listen, Lucas, we'll catch you maybe one, one more time, maybe on Monday before. Thank you, Lucas Meyer. If people want to contact you, best way? CatalystAdvocacy.com or Lucas S. Meyer on Twitter. All right, thanks. Thank you, Lucas. Thanks, Jack.